Who's having a wonderful time so far? Blessed? Amen. There is freedom in his presence. Amen? Amen. So we're just going to go into a time of word now. Hopefully I won't be too long because we do have an event tonight. So although it will be shorter, I, I pray it will be a blessing to you. So tonight is our India production, as was mentioned, and that means that Christmas is just around the corner, right? Things are starting to close up. Yes, who's excited for Christmas? Yes, all right. So in that spirit, I thought, let's talk about Christmas. Is that okay? We're, we're not there yet. We're not even in December yet, but let's talk about Christmas. So as we enter into this festive season, work starts to slow down for some people. For some, it gets a little bit more hectic, but generally it starts to slow down. Schools are closed. Yes, exams are over. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we start to spend more time with our family and friends. It's that holiday time. We enjoy the different traditions that are surrounded around Christmas. We put our Christmas tree up. There's lights and decorations. We buy and wrap presents. And my favorite part, unwrapping presents. Yes. We enjoy good food. We have Christmas parties, we gather together to watch Christmas movies, and every family has their Christmas traditions. Now, some traditions may overlap, right? There might be some similarities, but the point is we all have our own family traditions, and the thing is that sometimes we kind of get caught up with these traditions. We get caught up in what we're doing during this time of year, and it's great. Those traditions are amazing. It's wonderful, but it may be possible that we've created a problem. And as lovely as those traditions are, I think we have a problem with Christmas. So that's the title this morning, A Problem with Christmas, or The Problem with Christmas. The problem is, I think that we may have become complacent. We know the Christmas story, we retell and act it out, we sing songs about it, but I don't think we give it the response that it needs. So we kind of go through the motions every Christmas, and we don't truly acknowledge how profound and impacting that story really is, the Christmas story. So this, this message today is actually from a series I did with the youth. I'm going to repeat it. Is that fine? You're going to get it double. You have no choice. But it's okay. I changed it up a little bit, so it won't be exactly the same. So no switching off. Okay. Awesome. So it's a series that we just closed off youth. As Mpoh mentioned, we had the Youth Awards on Friday night. It was incredible, if I do say so myself. I am a very proud youth leader. So unfortunately, youth is now closed for the year. So if you want to join youth, we will be opening next year only. But that doesn't mean you don't come to church. Okay? We still do that. But anyway, we wrapped up with this series, The Problem with Christmas. And so I felt that this is still something that is applicable to all of us. It's not just the youth. We can all learn from this. There are some truths that we all need to know. So I've adapted it for you guys this morning, and I pr truly pray that you're going to be challenged with what is being said here today, and that we're not going to just enter the Christmas season going through the motions, that, but we'll be aware to not fall into the trap of just getting caught up with everything, but instead we're going to go into the Christmas season truly appreciating what it means. So... Let's celebrate Christmas the right way. So before we go into the problems, well, point out certain things that we need to be aware of, let's begin with the Christmas story itself. As I said, we kind of retell it, we go through it, so we're all familiar with it. Whether you've been in church for a long time or not, I think we're familiar with the Christmas story. At the very least, you know that there's something about a baby being born in a stable, 
There's something about shepherds that showed up. There's something about a bright star in the sky and some wise men that came to give gifts to the baby. That's why we give each other gifts, right? I don't know if that's where it started, but that's the point. Like there's, there's these things that we all kind of know about the Christmas story. And we're always reminded about the story during Christmas time, whether we see the nativities displayed in the malls or at home, whether it's through the Christmas songs, the church plays, the sermons, or maybe you even read the Christmas story with your family at home. We retell the story in some way every Christmas. And it's good because we need to be reminded of these things. Repetition is good. The problem, though, is I think it becomes just another tradition. It's just something we do. We don't even think about it. We just do it. So we don't actually grasp the importance of what we're actually remembering, what we're reminding ourselves of. We don't really think about the impact that that night had and that it still affects our lives today. So I'm going to mention four points today about the Christmas story, and I hope that's going to change our perspective on how we view it, how we celebrate it, and that that'll challenge us to focus on the right things this year so that we don't get caught up and distracted, but that we will highlight what is truly important. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the Christmas story before we get to those four points. The scriptures are going to come up on the screen, just the references. I'm going to read through it. It is a bit of a, a long thing, so story time. Don't fall asleep, please. Okay, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23. So this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now we're going to jump back to Luke, chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. You still awake? Okay. And it came to pass in those days that a decree from Caesar Augustus 
uh, that all the world should be registered. So now they have to go and do the census. They have to go back to their home cities to be registered. So Joseph went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary and his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn." Now there were some country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is, the Christ, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising and saying, God to, uh, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away uh, from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord had, has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which they were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things in her heart and pondered on them. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Okay, so that's the Christmas story. We're all familiar with this. And with all the retelling of it, I think we might have just become indifferent to it. We just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that's what happened. Yeah, Jesus was born. The shepherds got told about it, this, that, or the other. So I don't think it always has the impact that it should have. But as we read over it, I think we need to just ponder on these things to realize what is actually being said here, what it actually means. So I'm going to point out four things, and I hope these four things kind of change your perspective, that when you hear the Christmas story from here on out, you're going to realize the impact that it made that you're going to appreciate it, that you're going to acknowledge it, and you're going to celebrate it the right way. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it says, She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. See, God's people were waiting for a Savior. God had promised them that he would send a Savior to deliver them, so they were waiting for this powerful and mighty Savior to arrive. They had been waiting for 400 years, and now God decides, okay, it's time. I'm going to send the Savior. But instead of sending this mighty warrior, all-powerful and gloryful and amazing, God sends a baby. What he does here is unexpected. He didn't send the Savior the way people were envisioning it. People will think of this big thing, and then God surprises them with a baby. So the first point I want to point out is that the Christmas story was unexpected. Everything around Christ's birth was unexpected. When God told his people that he was going to send a Savior, everyone expected some big showy thing, right? God is going to come in his power and might, and there's going to be a big noise, a big fuss, like we're all going to know that the Savior is here. But when Jesus was born, it was unexpected, Furthermore, the Savior of the world wasn't born into royalty or in a palace or to some wealthy family. 
And there wasn't this big declaration for everyone to know that the Savior had arrived. Instead, he was born in a stable, while no one knew that something amazing was happening. He was born into a humble family that wasn't well off. Joseph was a carpenter. Mary was a young teenage girl. He was born into a family of ordinary people. And the most unexpected part out of all of this is that God became a man. He set aside his power and might and he took a humble position. See, in the bigger picture, in the story that God is writing, Christmas was the plot twist. People weren't expecting it. It was a surprise. They didn't see it coming. It was shocking. It was unexpected. God was fulfilling his promise. He had sent the Savior, yet hardly anybody noticed. People didn't realize that it had happened. Now, not only was the Christmas story unexpected, but the circumstances around it and the events that took place were unbelievable. The things that took place around Christ's birth were unbelievable. They were miraculous. I'm going to point out some of these because so many unbelievable things took place. The first being the virgin birth. When the angel told the young virgin girl that she was going to have a baby, not just any baby, but the son of God, possibly the first unbelievable thing that took place is that Mary was like, okay, cool, let's do it. If God said it, let's do it. I'm sorry, if an angel comes up to me and says, yo, you're going to have a kid, I'm like, cheers, bye, I'm not doing this. But Mary was okay with it. She's like, okay, God has said this, let his, what he said be done. So that's unbelievable. She was just, okay, cool, let's do it. So the virgin birth was unbelievable. It may seem impossible to man, but if God said let it happen, it will happen. See, the virgin having a baby seemed like an impossible concept to people. But like the angel said in Luke 1 verse 37, no word from God will ever fail. God is in the business of doing the unbelievable, of making the unbelievable happen. Now, the second unbelievable thing is probably the angel appearing to Joseph. See, when Joseph learned that Mary was pregnant, he's like, no, you're telling me the Holy Spirit, an angel told you that. I want to see this angel so I can knock him out. So he's like, no, I'm not going to go through with this marriage. I'm going to divorce her quietly. He didn't tell anybody of his plans. He was just considering this himself. Yet an angel came to him and said, don't do it. How did the angel know? So that's the unbelievable thing, that God sent an angel to stop Joseph from doing what he was planning to do in secret. Once again, this confirms that this is from God, that it is part of his plan to save the world. And again, instead of freaking out and rejecting this unbelievable request, Joseph was okay with it. He went along with it. He agreed. He accepted it. The next unbelievable thing is the announcement. So after Christ's birth, angels appeared to announce that the Savior had been born. But here's the unbelievable thing. Instead of appearing to everybody in the streets of the town or going to the religious people in the temples, the angels appeared to shepherds. Some shepherds who were just chilling in the fields, watching their flocks, and the angel came to the shepherds to announce that the Savior had been born. The first people to see the baby Jesus were shepherds. Poor, humble shepherds. Again, ordinary people. 
The star is also an unbelievable thing. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, we read about the star which appeared. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of, the, of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. This star appeared just to show the location of Jesus, to show the location of the Savior, the king of the Jews. There's already so many stars in the sky, and this one appeared in that moment to show the location and to point out that the Savior has been born. And the, the wise men, the Magi, they knew that there was something special about the star. There was something different. They knew that it meant that something wonderful and miraculous had happened. Now, those are all unbelievable, but quite possibly the most unbelievable thing surrounding the Christmas story is the incarnation. God himself, the creator of the universe, he came to earth and became a human. He set aside his power and might, and he humbled himself. Jesus, who was in very nature God, didn't use this to put himself above people. He remained humble. So becoming human was just the first part of this unbelievable miracle. He came here to save us, and that meant that he had to die for us, an excruciating and very public and humiliating death. His death wasn't the end, though. He was raised from the dead, which is unbelievable too. But what's even more unbelievable is that he chose to do this. He chose it. He chose to leave the comfort of the kingdom of heaven. He chose to set aside his power and might. He chose to come to earth as a human, to be born in the most humble and unexpected of ways. He chose to die for us so that we could be saved. He chose all of that. He didn't have to do it but he chose to do it anyway. And that is absolutely unbelievable. To add to how unbelievable this is, let's not forget that the gift of salvation is something that God is giving to us freely. We didn't have to do anything to earn it. God just said, here you go. Here's salvation. Take it. So the whole reason that we even have Christmas is because God sent the Savior. And it's beautiful and a wonderful reason to celebrate. But when we actually think about this, when we actually understand, when we realize what this means, we realize the weight that the story carries. That little baby in the stable, the reason that we're celebrating, he was born to die. He wasn't just born to come here, do some miracles, tell some parables, teach you some things. He came to do those things, but he came to die in your place. He came to bear our sins, to take our place, to set us free, to sacrifice his life so that we may be spared. He came to give us the gift of salvation. He gave us the greatest gift of all, and he gave it freely, willingly, and we didn't have to do anything to earn it. The gift of Christmas is undeserved. It is absolutely undeserved. This undeserving gift is humbling. It should be convicting. It should be eye-opening to how gracious God is. And when we realize that this gift, that the meaning of it means that he saved us completely, and we take a look at our lives, how broken we are, our sinful nature, we realize that we don't deserve this. 
yet he's giving it to us anyway. This gift is unexpected, unbelievable, and completely undeserved. See, in our eyes, we don't earn it, but through God's eyes, we are special enough, loved enough, that he wants us to have it. He sees his creation, his beloved children, whom he loves so much, that whether it makes sense to us or not, he did it anyway. He decided that we should have this amazing gift. So whether you think you're deserving of it or not, God is saying, take it. Take it. Now, when we understand that, how undeserved this gift is, when we understand what took place that night, when we understand the impact that the story has, how it changed the course of history, the unbelievable, the unexpected and undeserved events, one thing becomes abundantly clear. God's goodness and grace is absolutely undeniable. Through the Christmas story, we see that God's goodness is undeniable. That is the fourth point. See, it becomes undeniable that God is worthy of our praise, of our thanksgiving, of our worship. It is undeniable that his love for us is beyond anything that we can imagine. It is undeniable that our only response should be acceptance, gratitude, and praise. When we truly understand the story of Christmas and all these amazing things about it, we'll very quickly realize that we cannot deny how incredible God is, how gracious he is, how deeply loved we are, and how worthy he is of our adoration. So those are the four points. It was unexpected, unbelievable, undeserved, and all of those points to God's undeniable goodness. The story of Christmas isn't just something that we read as part of another Christmas tradition. For it to get lost amongst the gift giving, the carol singing, the movie watching, the partying, the enjoying of Christmas meals, it is the reason why we're celebrating in the first place. So our approach to Christmas shouldn't be to get caught up in the traditions and the festivities. Our approach should be to acknowledge the unexpected, the unbelievable and undeserved gift of the Savior of the world and how this amazing story is a display of God's undeniable goodness and grace. Now here's the beautiful thing about the Christmas story. It's not only that we see God's plan to save the world begin to unfold, but through it he is showing us something else as well. Through God's undeniable goodness and grace, he gives us something else that's unexpected, unbelievable, and undeserved. He gives us the opportunity to work with him in writing the story. He doesn't need us to do anything. Please understand that. He is God. He can do anything. So technically, he doesn't need us, but he wants us. He wants us to join him. He wants us to team up with him to do his work. He approached a poor young girl to bear his son. He chose a simple carpenter to be his son's earthly father. He announced the birth of the Savior to humble shepherds who then, after seeing the baby Jesus, went into the town and told people about this amazing event. And he is calling us today to be part of this miraculous story, to participate in spreading the good news of his mercy and grace. Ordinary, humble people, normal people, he wants to use us. That is unexpected, 
It is unbelievable and it is undeserved, undeserved and it speaks of his undeniable goodness. So this Christmas, let's not become consumed with the Christmas traditions that we kind of forget what Christmas is really about, that we forget the reason why we're actually celebrating. Don't get distracted by all the fun and shiny things and tasty food that you overlook what is actually important. Instead, let's overcome the problem with Christmas. So as we celebrate this year, let's celebrate these four truths. Let's celebrate Christmas the right way, acknowledging and celebrating the unexpected, unbelievable, undeserved gift that is Jesus. And let's celebrate the undeniable goodness and grace which God showed us through the Christmas story and that he continues to show us today. So I pray that this festive season is going to be a blessed one, that we're going to take time to reflect on the greatest gift ever given and that our response to his goodness will be with praise and thanksgiving and that we're going to share this good news with others. Let's not get caught up and go through the motions, but let's celebrate the right way. I pray that you'll be challenged to do this, that we're going to focus on what is important, that we're going to understand the impact that the story has on our lives, and that we're going to appreciate it and acknowledge it and celebrate the right way. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Lord, we just want to thank you for this beautiful Christmas story. We want to thank you for what it means. We want to thank you for the unexpected, unbelievable, undeserved gift of Jesus and that through this story we see how undeniably good you are. Father, I pray that as we enter into the festive season that we're not going to be consumed by the wrong things but that our focus will remain in the right place as we remember, as we acknowledge and as we give you thanks for what took place that night. That we celebrate the birth of the Savior, the fact that we have this gift of salvation. So Lord, I pray that we're gonna have a blessed and happy festive season. That as we spend time with our families, we're gonna reflect on this story. And that we're gonna be so grateful for it, Lord, that we're gonna share this story with those that we meet. That we will share this beautiful and undeserved gift that you have given to us. So we just thank you for your goodness and grace, Lord. We thank you that you love us beyond what we can imagine, that even though we don't understand it, I pray, Father, that we will accept it, that we'll be consumed by your love, and that we will just be so grateful for your goodness. So Lord, I pray that you'll bless us and keep us, that you'll guide us each and every day, that you'll give us opportunities to spread your word, to tell people how good you are, that we will see the goodness of your love in our lives every day, that there will be something that we can be grateful for. So we just thank you, Lord. We give you all honor and praise. And we just ask that you'll take us home safely, that you'll bring us back here safely, Lord, and that we'll just have a wonderful time as we fellowship together. We pray this in your name. Amen.